Black and White Radio. You're listening to The Lake. Welcome to a new episode of Black and White Radio, the program where we take a journey with different composers through time and space. To create a better understanding of the how and what that brings composers to their soundscapes and compositions. My name is Nico de Roy. You are listening to the composition The Universe Remembers by composer Sebastian Reinhardt. Sebastian, welcome in this episode of Black and White Radio. I got to know you through the performance art where I met you as a composer and I heard you are specializing in retro futurism and I was wondering what does a retro futurist do? Retro futurist. I suppose, you know, my my musical interests are between like dreams of the future and and nostalgia for the past. Um, you know, I love Blade Runner yeah. and um, these sorts of 20th century science fiction films. So it's like yeah. some, you know, incorporating ideas of what, what, what a future world could look like. I think you're also busy with how a future world could sound like, right? I can imagine that sound and image are two very important connecting elements to you. You're also known as a, let's call it a, an audioscapist, creating audioscapes, especially in the performing arts. I guess something must have triggered this, right? fan of the snowman by Howard Blake and I remember listening to that when I was very young like four or five and it's, it's something about this kind of evocative power of trying to give a sense of you know like the boy flying with the snowman or, or whatever it might be I think that struck a chord with me at a very very young and formative age. Sebastian, tell me, what was it that you liked so much about this track? It was just one of the cornerstones of, of Christmas every year was that that show and that, that film and the book. And it's so beautiful. It's so beautifully drawn. And the music is just, yeah, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. It's trying to depict this feeling of flying and being weightless, but also this kind of sad yearning. The relationship between the boy and his parent, I, I think it's just a, a beautiful melody, beautiful, beautiful melody. Apparently my first impulse towards music 
I've been listening to several remixes you have been producing and along came one remix that fascinated me a lot and gave me some thoughts about the, the context of the music you're creating in, uh, in relation to all the music I heard before. And this composition you made is uh, Peace Begins at Home, which is based on uh, an original version from the music collective CNN. I've been doing remixes over the last 15 years or so, thinking about how you can just turn one sound into a whole universe of sounds. And the CNR remix is a good example of, um, yeah, it's all, it's all audio from the original, but, you know, it's a lot of it is just tiny fragments and slivers and sort of atmospheres. Shall we listen a bit to the original track of Peace Begins at Home from CNR? And after that we will listen to your remix. How did you handle this track and how did you turn it into a remix? So I just used a fraction of Eleni's voice and just some little bits of guitar and just a few atmospheres but yeah if you hear if you hear the it's always interesting for people to hear a remix that I've done and then hear the original and to see what elements they can recognize or not. It is wonderful how you work with these extractions of the original track and have been reworking it electronically. It seems like you bring it in a floating state and it's a bit as I heard also with the sound of the snowman. I mean, knowing now that you work with these abstractions of a, of a pop song, where does this interest come from? I really feel like the album Kid A is such a fundamental kind of landmark moment in musical history i think it's it's probably up there with sergeant's peppers or pet sounds or dark side or, or what like in terms of completely reinventing a whole generation's attitude towards music like i, I don't i don't think i don't i still don't think it's been fully acknowledged just how revelatory Today was and, and for them, the band as well it was such a huge gamble you know they'd really peaked with Creep and then the bands and then OK Computer they were the biggest band in the world and then they came back with that no singles, no real MTV videos and it was number one in the US and the UK and they exposed literally millions of people to all these really abstract well relatively abstract musical directions
So knowing a bit more about your methods, I would like to move to the performative arts. In 2016, you were commissioned to work with the Bath Spa University and the Museum of Bath, and you worked on a performative installation with Neon Dance, a dance company from Adrian Hart, and you worked on a very interesting piece called La Fabricata Illuminata. It's a piece from Luigi Nono, and he wrote it in 1964. This period includes like-minded composers like Stockhausen. And they also researched and worked a lot with electronic sounds, or at least what would become electronic sounds. So I was wondering how do you take their thoughts into account? At that time there were no fashionable music-making tools, like Ableton for example. That's an amazing question. I... It's It's a... A real period of interest for me musically, and, and, and it's thanks to. Well, it's actually probably worth pointing out, and most people know this, but that Stockhausen is on the front cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. And he's there as one of the great people that they wanted to acknowledge, and that. Um, Radiohead certainly and Johnny Greenwood's influence from Olivier Messiaen kind of that's how I kind of connected with that kind of music Um, so there's always been this dynamic and this interplay between like the pop world air quotes and then like the classical world air quotes because you know the so much uh that's become fundamental and ubiquitous within pop and electronic music came out of the classical world. So the um, the first electronic instrument was the theremin. And then obviously Robert Moog was making theremin kits before he started to come up with ideas for his first modular synths and so on. So there's this real, and obviously switched on back by Walter Carlos was the first um, real, true, uh, meaningful classical record or, or sort of vehicle for virtuosic classical performance within the context of electronic. So there's there's always been this interesting sort of relationship between electronics, avant-garde experimentation, and the pop world, and and but kind of what defined that era, the post-war era, the the fifties onwards, when like Stockhausen composed the piece Zodiac, I think fifty-four maybe. These guys, like Stockhausen, Zanakis, Nono and people, they were just like geniuses of the first order, working with relatively crude tools to create things of exquisite wonder. <laughs> Directly involved in the war, like Stockhausen is a medic in the German army and so on, and he's just like shell-shocked and completely um, overwhelmed by their experiences. And then coming out of the war and then having this rudimentary but new and exciting technology with which they could try and express something which was in a way a revulsion of what had just happened like they wanted to use this these tools to distance themselves from the past so where obviously classical music had been moving fairly slowly over the last 100 and 150 years and then obviously Debussy and Raval and then Schoenberg particularly pre-Second World War had been starting to ask some really interesting questions of, of the nature of making music but then after the Second World War you know Stockhausen there's a very famous quote from Stockhausen which I think encapsulates the sentiment of that period where he said he rejected the use of regular rhythms because it reminded him of the march of the Nazi jackboots. He wanted to fundamentally demolish all of 
what people typically associated with arts and with the creation, like in particular the creation of music. So, mm. concerning Luigi Nono's piece, huh? how is it to work with an existing or a finished composition and add uh, musical elements to it? Uh, you were asked to create a score for an installative performance, and it was in a former factory, and the audience was walking around and experiencing uh, different smaller performances. They were basically entering a world of sound. But maybe we can listen a bit to the original piece of La Fabrica Illuminata and then listen to your version. It's like a roaming performance where the audience would be brought into this factory, the bath at work fact, uh, kind of old factory setup, and they would be kind of walked around from area to area and see a series of performances in each area. I was already aware of Luigi Nono's work and I was very uh, inspired by some of his concepts and the idea of taking classical music into these sorts of factory environments and, and presenting it for the workers and so on, taking it out of the concert hall and, and into the people's space. I thought it would be a really interesting reference. So I, all I did was I took shards almost like fragments of samples from the Luigi Nono piece and then kind of turned it into this sound world. been noticing an amazing amount of compositions that you made for performative formats. What inspires you to create music for performances? I've worked with Neon Dance Company on two projects. We worked together on the Puzzle Creature show and Mahajanaka Dance Drama. It's a collaboration between artists in the UK and Thailand. During the composing of both pieces we could have lots of people in the studio working together and being able to actually watch the dance and respond 
One piece I'm really curious about is a piece called Manayanaka. It's a story about one of the previous lives of the Buddha. It seems like you have a long-standing uh, engagement with the Buddhist culture and you also traveled a lot to Thailand to learn about the Thai dance and the culture. With who did you collaborate on this when it comes to the musical part of the piece? And I also would like to suggest to play some music to get a better understanding of the collaboration itself. So it was two Thai music experts. I mean, they're professional standard musicians as performers, but they're also academics. So they're both lecturers in universities. Great Lukaku is at Chiang Mai University. Pradit Sainkrai is in Bangkok. They came together with me and then we had a dancer, we have a dancer from Adrian's company and then we have Pishek Kunchen who is a Thai dancer. The story that we were telling in, in Mahajanaka dance drama is a traditional Thai Indian Buddhist folk myth but that's very popular and very common all across the Buddhist world in Asia. And what and how did you bring these Buddhistic elements to the score of Mahanayanaka? We have chanting as part of the soundtrack for Mahajanaka and by a Thai monk who recorded some of the Pali, the original Indian language verses in the very traditional Thai style of chanting. In the score we use the singing bowl which is again very commonly used in a meditation context and yeah, the Thai traditional instruments generally have powerful associations with spiritual practice and, and with meditation. And why do we hear these bowls always in relationship to meditation, actually? They, they remind me also a lot on the binaural beats, which are used as triggers for all sorts of health-related topics. Some scientific research about the effects of simplistic repetitive sounds and how they do there is apparently some research to back up what's you know anecdotally clearly true that 
you can literally change someone's state of consciousness through the experience of repetitive sounds. Let's listen to your compositions of the Mahajanaka story. Uh, I understood the first track is an EP mm-hmm. that came out, mm-hmm. and the other one is called Mahajanaka Theme from Mani Mekela, which is used as a score in the piece. And we will listen to the moment that the goddess rescues Mahajanaka okay. when he's swimming in the ocean and he's about to drown. took some of the samples from the studio session that I had and I kind of created this track and ended up releasing it as, a, as an EP. Let's go to the moment in the score where Mahajanaka is drowning and he's being saved by the goddess. And let's listen to the musical narrative.
Another significant piece you worked on is called Puzzle Creatures. Could you tell me a bit about the piece itself and how you came to this creation? Some of the compositions for Puzzle Creature were actually created in improvisations in the studio, or like they came out of that. So I think very specifically to these two projects, that was uh, a kind of really integral way of working. So Puzzle Creature was, Adrian was inspired for Puzzle Creatures by the artist-architect duo Arakawa, a Japanese painter, and Madeline Gins, who was a poet and an artist. They collaborated on these really fascinating architectural projects. So they have the reversible destiny lofts in Mitaka in Tokyo and Euro Park, the site of reversible destiny in well, it's outside, quite a long way outside of Tokyo North. They developed this whole artist manifesto of the idea of non-dying and they wanted to, people to be able to reverse their destiny by creating these new living spaces and presented some kind of concepts and, and this idea of challenging the idea of mortality. Puzzle Creature was a kind of collaborative artistic response to their ideas. In the score for the piece I very much used their voices as starting points. What was really important meeting the people that had worked for them for many years and some of them were very close personal friends of Arakawa and Gins and being struck by the kind of human stories. The music in Puzzle Creatures was played from different speakers, placed around a huge dome where the audience took place, and each speaker had its own sound. The piece was also attended by hearing impaired people. How did they react on the vibrations of the sound? As I understand, this was also a composed element in the piece, right? We developed this concept for how the speakers would be rigged up all around had a lot of the audio ready and then it was a case of refining the arrangement sometimes in with improvisations with the dancers the feedback we had from people that were hearing impaired who experienced the the performance said that they really enjoyed the bass frequencies that you can feel through your body particularly as the audience were for the most part sitting on the floor Let's listen a bit more to some fragments of Puzzle Creatures. It's wonderful, wonderful music by Sebastian Reynolds. あの、音、あの動き、あの困難があった時は、あれなんだ。
ビッグサンっていうのはあそこから物質が出てきたんだよいいか生命じゃないんだぞこういうものが出てきたんだぞそこからこういうのが出てきたんだから花や虫やバイオスこのつまの中にいっぱいいるだろう何億っていうあ,のあいつらがぐんぐんこうやって土屋なんか作り上げたんだぞ何十億年かかってで俺は簡単に消えてくんだよみんな消えてくるのにうーんなんて言ってんだ悲しいとか悲しくないってくだらないけどばっかり言っといたわけどうして永遠に生きてやろうと思うやついないんだよ Track we just heard was gas and electricity. Now, going back to your solo work, there is a solo work that I've been listening to called Mildenhall that I found very fascinating. How you came to Mildenhall? When I was living in North East London, there was a house around the corner where friends lived, and there was a really lovely, most classic, really wonky, out of tune old pianos. And my friend Christian had lent me these binaural microphones that you record onto mini disc, and I just had some interesting recordings of this old piano. And I, I kind of, like I described before, I did the kind of Ableton sound collage approach. And so that that track, I think all of the elements in the track are just from that old piano. I don't think there's any synthesizers or anything added.
terms of the aesthetic and the approach, one of my big heroes and one of my big inspirations for my work generally, and certainly in, in the kind of using pianos and, and sampling and cutting up pianos and so on, is the Japanese composer and producer who's sadly passed away, is Sasumi Yokota. some of his pieces like the album Grinning Cat and The Boy in the Tree that are just sublimely beautiful and there's some really simple but devastatingly effective use of piano samples and so on and uh, there's a few of my other pieces as well that have been very directly inspired by, by him. This brings me to the album The Universe Remembers, which released on the record label Faith and Industry, and your other work for the solo collective where you join forces with Anna Müller and Alex Stolze. There's also an album called Solo Collective Part 2, and this has a new version of the song Holy Island, right? We made a video with Neon Dance for the original version for when it came out on Solo Collective Part 1. Mm. Adrian and I travelled to... So Holy Island is a reference to the Holy Island of Lindisfarne in the northeast of England. Here is the song Holy Island, and if you want to watch the video, go to www.neondance.org.
in what way can you relate the music you're creating today with the music that inspired you as a young kid, like the snowman? really interesting question with walking in the air and with the snowman there's there's something about finding and i think this wanting to capture something that's has a kind of purity to it you know snow and the whiteness and this kind of um childlike naivety i think a lot of composers are, are really have that sort of naive sentimentality in them and and they're always looking to kind of express it in a way um i think it's very fundamental to the psychology of people who who are drawn towards making this kind of music and i think that the snowman is almost like an archetypal representation it's like you couldn't get any more primal than that sort of relationship to to childhood and and family and so on trying to find a way of expressing that sort of yearning for simplicity through simplicity and beauty is something that we aspire to and it's certainly something you can hear in in holy island i think that maybe kid a represents a sort of generational coming of age process it represents moving from that sort of childlike naivety into this, like, the actual dystopian reality of the world. Mm, and that, like, yeah. the, the track itself sort of has that feeling. It's got this kind of nursery rhyme-like element to it with the chiming bells and stuff, but then the voice is all kind of vocoded and distorted, and, mm. and the lyrics are really, like, brutalist and... Um, unsettling so it's almost like you've got youth and then the corruption of youth one of my repeated motifs in a way in my work is dystopian literature and for Anna and Alex the universe remembers it's samples from the wasteland by T.S. Eliot very kind of famous example of dystopian 20th century literature We heard already a fragment of the Universe Remembers at the beginning of the show. Now we know Mr. Reynolds a bit better. And this is the title track for the album The Universe Remembers. And please note the wonderful input from the beautiful Rachel Coombs on clarinet and producer Capital K.
thank you for your time to be part of this program, Mr. Sebastian, and that we could take this voyage together. That was great. If you're interested to get more familiar with the work of Sebastian and also the people he collaborates with and got inspired by, please have a look at the show notes. And if you have any tips or suggestions, don't hassle to let us know. This was another episode of Black and White Radio. With the support of the Lake Radio, we will do our best to keep slow radio going. Sebastian, I have one final question for you. You're also working as a promoter of music. And at Black and White Radio, we close every chapter by asking the composer for a song he or she would like to share with the listeners. And my question to you, what song would this be? The artist is a cellist and soundscape artist called Simon McCorry. And he relatively recently brought out a new single called The Nothing That Is. And it's absolutely beautiful. And it's just a standalone single. It's not actually from Borderland, the album. But if you enjoy The Nothing That Is that you're about to hear, I would highly recommend checking out the Borderland album from last year and his other work as well is really wonderful.
Black and White Radio. You are listening to The Lake.